gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Cult's Coffee and Conversation. My name is Carl. And I'm Holly. And of course, I'd like to welcome you back to another exciting edition of Cult's Coffee and Conversation. We just want to say thank you out there to all you Coltonites leaving us wonderful messages and nice little encouragements. We do appreciate that. Uh, we've noticed we have a little shift in percentages of popularity, which we want to thank you for we that as do. well. Yes, we're more international now. I love it. We want to say thank you to, of course, England. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And also we have an increase in, of all places, Australia. Wow. I love that. Ozzy, Ozzy, Ozzy. Oi, oi, oi. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I love it. All right. We appreciate that, guys. We want to say thank you for that. We are truly grateful for all that you guys do. Um, once again, this is where I start begging for five stars. If you want me to start like, sound like Tony Alamo. My name is Tony Alamo, and I want those five stars. I need those five stars. If we want those five stars, guys, uh, we do appreciate, like I said, the feedback is always fantastic. Now, in order to do that, guys, of course, here we go with the old usual spiel. We got our Facebook fan page at Colts Coffee and Conversation. Got our Instagram at Colts Coffee Convo. And we have our Twitter machine at Colts Coffee Con 1. That is Colts Coffee Con 1. And, of course, our email address at Colts Coffee Convo at gmail.com. But there's also that other infamous thing you can leave a message on holly take it away you can leave a voice memo on your smartphone and send it off to colts coffee convo at gmail.com that's right and of course now here comes our disclaimer now it's gonna be a little different we've kind of switched it up a little bit but that's okay because we're gonna be talking about something that could be a little controversial well, we're just going to do it. It's normal, standard human beings. We do not hold any degrees in any theology. Uh, we just take the information that we have. We take a look at it. We study it. And we comment on it. Now, we also have more additional to the, uh, to of course, the, the, the uh, disclaimer. The disclaimer. Uh, Holly, go ahead and uh, take it away. Yes, this disclaimer is that these are police officers, law, lawmen, okay? Mm -hmm. And this happened 26 years ago, mm -hmm. and we do not hold any opinions against the police mm. or any of our government, but this is a historical event that we're going over. Yes. And, and there was mistakes made on both sides, and it's also been researched by our uh, Senate and Congress. Mm -hmm. So it's nothing that is new in our opinions, right. but it's just something that we're bringing out as a historical fact. Yes. All righty. So there you go, guys. Okay, are you ready? Oh, before we get into our conversation about our cult, let's talk about our coffee. Holly, what are you drinking? Well, you know, I'm still on that uh, chai latte Oh, it's hot. Hot chai latte with pumpkin spice sauce in it. I tried that this week, truth be told. Not bad. Not you did? Ba I did try it. I tried it on Tuesday. No, Monday. It was Monday. I tried it on Monday. Mm. Really good. I'm not going to lie. Really good. Even though I'm still upset that we're doing pumpkin stuff and it's October. No, no, no it's September. September. It's September. So I feel that pumpkins should come out in October, but that's... My opinion and my opinion only. Alrighty, are you ready to get into it? Well, I guess so. Alrighty, let's go ahead and get into Holly. Take it away. Okay, so we stopped last time right before the final day. We yes. did the first day mm -hmm. and we did the 50 days after that. Yes, a little combination of it all. Mm -hmm. Yep, so now we are in day 51, day the 51. final day. So the FBI starts saying over the loudspeaker that they will be putting in tear gas into the building. 
It was not an assault. This is what they're telling the Davidians. This is not an assault. Right. So the Davidians grabbed their gas masks Mm. because they were fully prepared. Mm -hmm. But there's no gas masks for the children available. Okay, question. What? Okay, you have, obviously, they have money. They have gas masks. Why wouldn't they have gas masks for children? They don't make them. Because we were in Israel during the 1991 uh, war mm. over there, and they uh, adults had the gas mask. We had gas masks on our bus, but they didn't have anything that would fit kids or men with big beards. Mm. Okay, go ahead. So the tear gas is what they're saying. It was tear gas. It's called CE gas, and there's some symptoms that are irritation to the skin, and it's extremely painful. There's nausea, inflammation of the membranes, uh, extremely uncomfortable. Now, boot camp trainees are exposed to CE for a few seconds with stinging eyes and running noses. Mm. The Davidians were exposed to CE gas 10 times more powerful and for six hours. That's a lot. It is actually not a gas, but a powder mixed with a paint stripper that forms an aerosol mist sprayed through huge steel injectors fitted onto the tanks. Mm. Now, in closed spaces, CE gas can cause unconsciousness, death, and can be ignited by a spark to a fireball. Mm. When it burns, it produces hydrogen cyanide, the same gas that is used to be in prison gas chambers. Mm. Now, the U.S., Army chemical and biological defense expert claimed there would be no lasting effect on the children. Now, this is what is being told to Janet Reno, right? Uh, the president, you know, the people that they're they're responsible, but they're away from the actual running of the operation, right? Okay, okay. And all they can do is go on what they are what told. Been told. Yeah, understood. Of course, we have the vehicles that were used in this to actually put this in the buildings now uh, the vehicle that they use is called the CEV it's a combat uh, engineering vehicle now this is the infamous tank that everybody saw on television okay now it started uh, forward towards the main building to insert the CE gas obviously into the building in order to do that they had to make holes by uh, bashing in from the outside uh, with a crane like pole so basically it's a battering ram they pretty much mounted a battering ram to the tank now the CE gas was actually delivered in a ferret or a barricade penetrating cartridge. I'm calling it a gas bullet because that's basically what it is. Um, that, and it also can be deadly if it actually hits someone. So it, it, it's just as powerful. Mm-hmm. Okay. The FBI was shooting these gas bullets into every window and anything that moved. So there you go for the targeting of people. Uh, the FBI was telling him over the loudspeaker to come out with their hands up. And they wouldn't be harmed. Now, the tanks started to destroy the buildings by constantly ramming them. And in doing so, they actually ran over some people inside the building. If you can just imagine, maybe you don't want to, if you're in that situation, um, very vulnerable, and all this is going on, your eyes are stinging, you're in pain. I mean, there's a lot of confusion going on to coming out 
I don't know how they would feel about just running out. They, yeah. they were really afraid they were going to get shot as soon as they... Well, yeah, I mean, you're pumping in 10 times the amount more powerful and then for uh, a long period of time. Yes. So as the gassing continued, the women and children went into the safest place left, which was the kitchen storage room, mm-hmm. which was a first floor steel reinforced concrete room, which was a former vault. So it used to be a bank vault. Yeah, right. and they covered themselves with wet towels and blankets. The tanks drove into the middle of the building, into the kitchen area, and basically at point-blank range fired gas into the concrete room where the women and children were. There was no ventilation. The FBI admitted they put massive gas in there. It was possible the women and children were coughing, choking, unconscious, inert, or dead. Right, and now the fire was a great possibility because the tanks had crushed containers of diesel fuel, kerosene, and Coleman fuel, which was saturated on the floor, and, of course, vapors filled the air. Now, the wind was blowing through the building because it looked pretty much like Swiss cheese at the end. Um, it was set off and to go up into the flame because the holes were just fueling all that. Now, because of all of these, two fireballs were ignited. Now, one went down a hall and ignited the kitchen, which where the vault was and where the women and children had just been gassed, and the rest of the people were um, in the dining room area. Now, the only way to escape out of the dining room area were two men shooting machine guns at them. So, yeah, what's your options, right? Now, the FBI lied and never never fired one shot during the 51-day standoff. They shot during the smashing of the gymnasium and the dining room that was burned. Now, the building was completely engulfed in flames. Now, this is that famous, you know, image that you see with just a, like there's that window where they put the uh, where they put the, the ladders up in mm-hmm. and the soldiers were coming up. That's where the par- camera was pretty much focusing on. Even during the gunfight where you see you, you could see the Branch Davidian there they're, they're firing out at them. Yes. You know, so it's not paint this picture as they're just, you know, not doing nothing. They're just sitting there taking it. But. You see the bullets coming out. You see one of the officers get hit. I believe he got hit in the hip and he got hit in uh, the knee. Um, but you see him. He's on the ground. They were able to pull him away, thank God. And uh, uh, But you see that the, they still have the camera on that window spot. Yes. It looks like that was the central part of everything. You see just nothing but just black and gray smoke just coming out of there. So Now, this raises a bunch of questions, tons of questions. Now, first of all, the question is, you know, why didn't they just arrest David in town when he was doing grocery shopping? Uh, yeah, let's just just go over that for a minute. I'm not sure. Yeah, it makes no sense because Rodriguez, the undercover, told them, told them specifically, don't go. You're walking into a trap. Don't go. But, you know, the hubris at the time of the ATF and the FBI, saying that we are the ATF and the FBI, we're going anyway. They wanted to end it. They wanted to end it. Because they wanted a good PR move. Now, everyone's like, the good PR move? Yes, because the ATF, they made a boo-boo just a few months prior to Waco, and that was called Ruby Ridge. Now, we're going to discuss Ruby Ridge for just a moment because, you know what, it's important to understand the pressures that the government was under. Okay, we have to take that consideration. Whether you agree with it or not, pressure is pressure and pressure bust pipes. Okay. So, Ruby Ridge incident, a quick overview. Now, Randy Weaver and his family lived in remotely uh, in an area in northern Idaho. Beautiful country, by the way. Uh, he had contact with the Aryan uh, Nation groups, 
Of course, they're anti-Semitic, neo-Nazi, white supremacists, and also considered urban terrorists. They had sold uh, an ATF informant uh, two sawed-off shotguns, which in the overall length of the gun was shorter than the legal limit uh, set by the federal government. Now, after refusing to uh, become a snitch for the government, charges were brought to him in the making, possessing, and selling of the illegal weapons. Now, the ATF threw in Randy Weaver as a bank robber with criminal convictions, and those were false. It was cleared of all that, though the Senate investigation, but was charged for a, was it a grand jury with making and possessing illegal weapons. Now, much throughout went into the first arrest of Randy Weaver, but he was arrested and released to face court later on that day. Because of many mistakes made by the attorney and the U.S. Marshals, Randy, who already distrusted the government, did not show up to his court date. He had a bench warrant for his arrest, and he was considered a fugitive. Now, on August 21st, 1992, when the U.S. Marshals were scouting out his property to arrest him, unfortunately, they alerted the Weaver's dog, which led Kevin Harris and Sammy Weaver to check out the disturbance. Unfortunately, Sammy was shot by the U.S. Marshal after a volley of gunfire. Randy Weaver and his family holed up in their cabin for 11 days with a standoff with the FBI. Before the negotiators arrived, a sniper shot Randy Weaver as he was attempting to get to his son's body. Hmm. The second shot fired as Randy, his 16-year-old daughter Sarah, and Kevin Harris ran back into the cabin. The bullet hit Kevin and went through the front door, which hit Vicki Weaver, Randy's wife. She was killed holding her 10-month-old baby girl. Hmm. Eventually, everyone surrendered to the authorities. Randy Weaver and Kevin Harris went to court and were acquitted of all charges except Weaver, who was convicted of missing his original court date and bail violations. In the following years, the Senate held a 14-day hearing on this incident. The surviving Weavers filed a wrongful death suit against the government for $200 million. It was settled out of court. Randy received $100,000, and each of his three daughters received $1 million. No wrongdoing was admitted by the government in the deaths of Vicki Weaver and Sammy Weaver. Right, and I've seen the documentary about this specific incident, and let me tell you something. The people came out in droves to go against the government, and where it was right or wrong, it looked really bad. All this for a guy who just didn't show up for a bench warrant? I mean, right, and there was a lot of confusion. They had uh, wrong dates. They sent him letters. Uh, you know, he was. It was just a big debacle, and, and, and he decided since he didn't like the government anyway, he just wasn't going to show up. Right, and not to mention the first thing off the bat, you kill the dog, and then you kill. Well, a they didn't know one. they were coming, so they felt it was somebody. As, no, you know, they didn't know the government was coming. Yeah, you know, I'm talking yeah. the government as a whole. It's like you, you guys were looking pretty gangster. I'm just saying. I'm just, it's my opinion. Oh, I know. But just to say that they did have permission to do that. No. It's called rules of engagement. Yeah. And they did have that. Right. Not to say that it was right or wrong. Right. But these are things in areas that I never knew about. Right. Uh, they have had some revisions to these things now, mm -hmm. uh, you know, ne if starting whenever, but not in this day. I don't think they do the same type of um, assaults. Yeah, the, 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 these two incidents pretty much rewritten the book of I think so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Now, now after the Ruby Ridge incident, of course, <laughs> a couple months later, you have this incident, which makes everything look even worse. So there was a lot of the same guys on the Ruby Ridge incident with the ATF as into the Branch Davidians. Yeah, and that right there, problem number one, my opinion, it's just my opinion. If you already have a debacle, especially as that heavy as Ruby Ridge, reassignment probably would have been a wiser decision. But like I said, that was then. Uh, and they're the ones who have to deal with it in the end for the most part. Now, there's a couple people who really, really, who are not involved, but were alive and one one was alive one was present that were affected by this specific now we're going to talk about what the branch division the branch of this whole incident of of waco okay the, the incident of waco now the first one some people may know him some people may not i am familiar with him uh it is mr alex jones now if you don't know who alex jones is i highly recommend that you listen to uh, joe rogan's podcast where he has alex jones in there that's how i I was somewhat kind of new, the name-ish, but not too familiar. But then when I went and listened and also watched the uh, interviews on the Joe Rogan experience, that Alex Jones came on, and he's got that voice, you know what I mean? Going to those guys, he's a pure-blood Texan, you know, Austin, Hook'em Horns kind of guy. He, you know, he was very affected by this. Now, this is where he started his conspiracy career. Now, to get into a little bit of it, uh, Alex Jones... Yeah, he was a senior in high school when the events were unfolding and only confirmed his belief in the process of unseen malevolent forces. Now, 100 miles from Austin, the federal siege of the Branch Davidians cultist compound near Waco, Texas, ended in a tragic April of 1993 firestorm. And it was a firestorm indeed as far as press coverage and, and a lot of banter back and forth. Now, the events in Waco... Uh, had galvanized effect on Jones. He dropped out of Austin Community College where he began hosting a viewer call-in show in Austin's public radio access television where he honed in his bombastic style that has been since his trademark. Now, in 1996, Jones moved to Austin uh, to host a show called The Final Edition where he warned of impending martial law and banged the drum to rebuild the Branch Davidian compound as his memorial to those who said that they were murdered by the Attorney General Janet Reno and the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, ATF. Now, the show lasted until 1999 when, according to the Austin Chronicle, he was fired because of his views made it difficult to attract sponsors despite the high ratings and winning the Chronicle's best Austin talk radio host, uh, reader poll that same year and that's coming from the southern uh, poverty law center and now that's one now the second one we should all know who this individual is if you don't that's okay we're going to get into it he was there watching the entire thing his name is timothy mcveigh now if that name kind of rings a bell let me just kind of tell you who he is he is the oklahoma city bomber Yes, he visited the area three miles from Mount Carmel that was slightly elevated during the standoff. He was 24 years old and an Army veteran. He sold anti-government stickers, Fear the Government That Fears Your Gun, Ban Guns, Make the Streets Safe for a Government Takeover, and others with swastika signs on them. He was also very concerned about how Ruby Ridge was handled by the government. Yeah, so, you know... Somewhat of a chain reaction on, on each side of the spectrum. So, you know, this was very, 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 very controversial. Uh, the aftermath was even worse. 
Um, so this this has a lasting effect uh, just yes, to this does. day. So now now there's more controversy in regarding to this. Now it's about uh, um, uh, the controversy of who shot first. Oh yeah, let's get into that. Now go ahead. Okay, so the controversy of who shot first. Um, the video of what actually happened is now blank mm. and the door has not been found. Now, this isn't some conspiracy person saying it. It was brought up in the congressional hearings that they had in 1999. Right. Okay. I don't know. They don't know where this video is. It's blank. The door is gone. Attorneys for the Branch Davidians state it was an unreasonable search done in an unreasonable manner with excessive force. Hmm. They claim that the law is clear that an arrest by lawfully constituted officers can be resisted if, before anything else happens, those officers use excessive force. Hmm. Later on, 11 Branch Davidians were on trial, and the jury in the San Antonio found that the killings of the four agents were in self-defense. Mm. They were acquitted of murder and conspiracy to commit murder. The ATF still denies the fact that anyone shooting at them from the helicopters. But we do know that there was a 17-year-old boy shot on a silo documented by the news video. Later, the, a the FBI negotiator had tried to convince Koresh that there were no guns on the helicopters. They did not shoot. And it was a lie. There were no mounted guns, but guns were on the helicopters. And this is, we kind of went over that on our last podcast. Right. So the shooting reports were something agents filed and were told to stop filing because it was creating a Brady material. Mm. Okay, so I never heard that before, so I had to look it up. So Brady material is information that might tend to show that someone accused is innocent. The explanation for the ATF was that they did not want to compromise the prosecution. Right. You don't want to reveal evidence that might tend to show that someone is not guilty of the charges. So Brady material is a technical term for a specific type of prosecu prosecuting misconduct. Thus, Brady material is evidence discovered but suppressed by the prosecution that would have helped the defendant in some way by proving his or her innocence, impeaching the credibility of a witness, or reducing his or her sentence. So Brady issues typically arise when a prosecutor gets tunnel vision because he or she is so convinced the defendant is guilty of the crime. This tunnel vision leads the prosecutor to ignore or hide evidence that could potentially prove the defendant's innocence because the prosecutor does not want the evidence to get in the way of a conviction. So... Um, that's pretty, pretty heavy, right? Yeah, there. it is. Mm -hmm. So, that is the who shot first. Kind of, we kind of got away from that question. No, it's uh, fine. I don't think that we're ever gonna know. Uh, I kind of tend to say it's sort of like in a Star Wars reference. Right. You know, did Han shoot the bounty hunter first? <laughs> or who shot Guido? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> who shot first? Honor Guido. So they're right. saying, you know, in the original. Uh, movie mm -hmm. it was uh han shot guido first right. and then when uh george lucas decided to you know edit everything and and re revise it it was the other way around mm. uh, we're not gonna know all i have my theory is if, if anything is when the davidians heard them shoot those dogs yeah okay 
they didn't know if they were shooting the dogs or they shooting at them. May maybe that was the whole thing right there. Right. And maybe they didn't particularly shoot at the house through the door first, but they heard that gunshot and then they they, they weren't they mounted up right yeah. and then they're not trained um professional yeah, yeah exactly so who knows we don't yeah. know exactly still open for debate yeah now also there's other additional video footage um it's called the flir video footage I believe yeah it's, it's a thermal imaging <coughs> infrared <coughs> camera and there was a plane that was two miles high videoing in this manner of the whole end of the first uh, or I'm sorry, of the last day. Right. And it says the gunfire was going into the building from the back by the FBI. Now, the tanks running over people as they were entering the back of the building. Now, bodies were found later to be physically mutilated by the heavy tanks running over them. I do want to insert at this point regarding who started the fires, uh. okay? We did mention there was a lot of fumes there. Yeah. Uh, the wind happened to be blowing 25 miles an hour yeah. that day. When they poked holes in the building, it was like a ventilation that would whip up the fire. Yeah. There were the tear gas, as we even knew during the SLA gunfight, they yeah. had tear gas, CE gas. It did explode. There is testimony that the Davidians did start fires hmm. in there. And I think that the thought was, with all this gas and pain for six hours, CE gas... They were, of course, untrusting of, you know, being the able to come yeah. out alive. This was their Armageddon. They were going to lose it to Babylon, which was the government. Right. They decided we're going to end it themselves on their terms. They started the fires, but there was also a lot of flammable things coming from the government. Who knows? After everything was done, they did, of course, you know, they had to scientifically look at everybody and how they died and that kind of thing right autopsies and it did show that a lot of them were shot and some of them were shot by the government first days going into that first day and some of them were executions. yes style. they were they had and they were probably doing it because they felt that it was like a mercy killing right and then you know a lot of it kind of gruesome regarding the children and you yeah, know how yeah that. just you know you can look it up if you're interested but yeah. it's a, not a pretty picture no. on that front no you know the whole thing carl was it's just a cluster of just wrong on every way yes uh, the, it's hard to even take you can't even take a side on this you you mean you, you hindsight is always 2020 you know it's hindsight's 2020 but in the end, where I look at it as where Officer Rodriguez informed them to do it, uh, there's just going to be then that I, I keep coming back to that. I keep coming back to Officer Rodriguez saying, "Don't do it, don't do it," but they did it anyway, and you know. It, then to the back of that, they had all those resources for 51 days, and they're saying, "You know what? We need to end this." And, of course, you know, they did reassure Janet Reno, the president, and everything. The CE gas was no nothing. It was basically, you know, like a little bit of nothing, which we know it's not. Yeah, and now they do know it wasn't because right. they were informed later. And, and just and the amount of gas that was used and for the time that too it was much. used this way too much. I mean, it's, it's an excess of so much stuff. Do you really need helicopters? With, do you need helicopters? 
gunships, period, whether they're attached to it or not. Yes. Do you really need that to be circling around? So I think on both sides you have the officers that were tired and they were, want you know, all of that. Then you had the Davidians who were playing out their end days. Well, the thing is, is that with, with the information that Ro Rodriguez gave him, and he was an informant, mm. he was around these people, David knew he was an informant, I mean, that could be a key there. It's like, hey, dude, you know, just FYI, we're 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 going out with a fight. It's it's there's no debate in that. And when you have these people who have been constantly told that, you know, Babylon is coming and then here comes the government in true form makes him look like he was telling the truth. And on top of that, you still have people who are. Branch Davidians to this day. Mm, yes, and, and they still believe that uh, David Koresh, Koresh is coming back. Yes, and and that was uh, <sighs> Livingston Fagan still believes that. Yes, and, and now on to that note, they do have a flyer. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, there's a flyer here. Now the flyer. Tell us a little bit about this flyer here. Well, the flyer is was when David Koresh was still alive before all of this happened. I'm not sure about the date. But right. Well, you know, I can say it's in the 80s because the address is Palestine or Palestine, Texas. Right. So it was obviously when he was in the 80s and they were out there in those buses right. living, okay, yeah. mm -hmm. before they retook Mount Carmel. Yeah, so what we're going to do is, folks, is we're going to actually take, we, we've got the flyer. Uh, how did we get this? Someone took a picture of it, right? And yeah, someone it took a picture, put it on the, posted on the internet. It's a very fuzzy, so I retyped it all. And I'm going to leave out a lot of the scripture verses because it'll just get cumbersome in that respect. Yeah, yeah, let's, yeah, let's, let's, let's do that. But we're going to go ahead and just, you know, go ahead and read it. And, and you know, you guys can decipher for yourself. Uh, we're going to end the podcast at the ending of this. And, uh, I mean... After this reading, we're, there's really not much more to no, say. No, but but before we even get into that, cult, yes or no? Yes, cult. Okay, and two, you know, to to that effect, do you think this is probably the most saddest of all the cults that we've covered so far? As it's far as the tragedy, yes, I think it's very sad because there's a lot of innocent people that died. Yes, oh, tons of. I mean. You can't make this stuff up. I mean, no. This is just with Tony Alamo. There was a lot of abuse, uh, not as much death. Yes, you're correct. This, on the other hand, was there abuse? Um, I, um not in that. Yes, the girls, the underage girls, the underage girl, because he was marrying them. Yes, I'm not saying that he's. I'm. I'm not trying to find who's the villain in this because at the end of the day, both were wrong. Oh yeah, both were way wrong. I just think that, you know, like I said, hindsight's twenty twenty, and they could have gone a whole different way. I mean, it's one of those things you can pick apart. Well, if they did this instead of this, if th this is always, this is still kind of a debate today in a lot of circles. Yes. So, all right, so on that note, uh, we're going to read this, and then we're, we'll go ahead and uh, close it up. Go ahead. Okay. So this was written by David Koresh, and it states, Dear Brethren in the Seventh-day Adventist Church, I am the Son of God. You do not know me, nor my name. I have been raised up from the north, and my travels are from the rising of the sun. All the prophecies of the Bible speak of me. I am the branch, the serpent, the Emmanuel, the root, the holy one, the voice, the fiery flying serpent, the lamb, the stammerer, the king, the righteous man from the east, the elect, the ravenous bird, the sharp sword, the learned, the arm, the servant, David. 
I have been rejected in the person of my prophets over and over. I have seven eyes and seven horns. My name is the word of God and I ride on a white horse. I am here on earth to give you the seventh angel's message. I am the prophets, all of them. I want to invite you to my marriage supper. The invitation is in Psalms 45. Read it and confess that you don't know me. I am the word of God. The key of David is in my hand. I only can open the prophecies of David and Solomon. I have ascended from the east with the seal of the living God. My name is Cyrus. I am here to destroy Babylon. I have come in a way that is contrary to your preconceived ideas. I will reprove you for your world loving. I will scold your daughters for their nakedness and pride that they parade in my father's house and by my angels will strip them naked before all eyes because of their foolish pride. The young men will abuse my kindness. They will take my life, but I will arise and take theirs forevermore. Your ministers will lament your foolishness. Your lost flock will tear you to pieces. I am the word and you do not know me. I ride on a white horse and my name is secret. My invitation to you for extended mercy. I will visit you at your unholy feast. Prepare to meet thy God. And on that note, good night, Holly. Good night, Carl. <laughs>